Good morning. I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Duarte Geraldino is out today. We begin with the continued fallout over the decision in Kentucky, where the officers involved in the killing of Breonna Taylor were not charged for her death. Protests continued across the country for a second night on Thursday. In Los Angeles, there were two separate instances of a person driving into crowds of protesters. In Portland, Oregon, a fire was started at a police union building. And in Louisville, Kentucky, dozens more people were arrested. Through all of this, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron has been thrust into the national spotlight when he announced that no police officers would be charged. The Washington Post has a look at Cameron's budding political career and calls this his toughest moment yet. President Trump has referred to Cameron as a rising star in the party, and he even included his name on a list of 20 people that he might nominate for the Supreme Court. The first African-American attorney general in Kentucky's history. This is going to be a star. Let's see if I'm right about it. I predicted you. The Washington Post describes him as a protege of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Cameron interned in his office when he was in law school and eventually worked for McConnell again as his general counsel in 2015. McConnell's the one who encouraged Cameron to run for state attorney general. In fact, he gave him a lot of support and sent some big donors his way. During that campaign phase, Cameron mostly steered clear of any messaging about race. But since he took office, it's clear that many Republicans see him as a symbol for a more diverse future of the party. And he's been positioned by party leadership to address race head-on, to speak directly to other Black Americans and say, there is space for you in the GOP. He was given stage time at the Republican National Convention last month, and he used it to respond to Joe Biden's comment that anyone still on the fence about deciding between Trump and Biden, quote, ain't Black. Mr. Vice President, look at me. I am Black. We are not all the same, sir. I am not in chains. My mind is my own, and you can't tell me how to vote because of the color of my skin. On Wednesday, when he announced no charges directly related to Breonna Taylor's death, Cameron spoke in personal terms. My heart breaks for the loss of Ms. Taylor, and I've said that repeatedly. My mother, if something was to happen to me, would find it very hard. Many details in this case have not been made public. Cameron says it's not appropriate to release more information because the FBI is still investigating whether Breonna Taylor's civil rights were violated. But Kentucky's governor, Andy Beshear, who once served as the state's attorney general, he's calling on Cameron to do more. It's time to post all the information, all the facts, all the interviews, all the evidence, all the ballistics, to truly let people look at the information. FDA is proposing stricter standards for fast-tracking approval on a coronavirus vaccine. Now, these new guidelines would make it pretty unlikely that any vaccine will be available before Election Day. And the president is saying he might not approve the proposed changes. 
We're looking at that. That has to be approved by the White House. We may or may not approve it. Uh, That sounds like a political move. Four vaccines are now in the final stage of clinical trials in the United States. Still, CDC head Robert Redfield told Congress last week that the public should not expect a vaccine anytime soon. I think we're probably looking at late second quarter, third quarter, 2021. The conflicting messages coming from the CDC and the White House have left many people feeling confused, even distrustful. 62% of Americans said in a recent poll that they're worried the president is pressuring the FDA to rush this process. More than half of the people who were surveyed said they wouldn't take a vaccine approved before the election, even if it's free. So 538 put together a guide on how to navigate the information around the vaccine, how to sort out the good from the bad. They spoke to a handful of experts who talk about what to look for in trial data and who's reviewing these studies. One of the most important explanations in this piece is understanding what happens when you eventually wind up getting a COVID-19 vaccine. Think of it this way. The vaccine that protects against the measles, for example, is super effective. It works more than 90 percent of the time. But the flu, you know, that's a virus that's always changing season to season. And scientists are always trying to predict the next year's strain. So that vaccine is often way less effective. For COVID, the FDA says any vaccine will need to be at least 50 percent effective for it to get approved. One expert tells 538 it's important for people to understand the limitations here. A 50 percent rate means that if you vaccinate 100 people, 50 of them won't be immune. Now, that doesn't mean the vaccine isn't good, effective or safe. It's definitely better than not having it. And it's possible for the people who get the vaccine but don't become fully immune that it'll still help reduce the severity of the disease. Public health officials are saying getting as many people as possible vaccinated, increasing the rate of immunity in our population, is going to be key to getting the pandemic under control. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg lies in state at the United States Capitol today, the first woman ever honored in this way. Thousands of people have visited the Supreme Court in recent days to pay respects. The line of mourners stretched a half a mile by Thursday night. Ginsburg's impact on the nation is immeasurable. She wrote the majority opinion in the case that decided it's unconstitutional for state-funded schools to bar women from attending— She voted in support of abortion rights and marriage equality. Legal experts also credit her with paving the way for legislation that allowed women to get credit cards and bank accounts without a man's signature. As we close out this week of remembrances, let's go back to 1993, the very beginning of Ginsburg's nearly 30-year career on the Supreme Court. The Washington Post resurfaced her remarks from her confirmation hearings. It is an opportunity beyond any other, for one of my training to serve society. The controversies that come to the Supreme Court as the last judicial resort touch and concern the health and well-being of our nation and its people. Ginsburg spoke about her hopes for there to one day be more women on the court. Indeed, in my lifetime, I expect to see three for perhaps even more women on the high court bench. She became the second woman to join the bench after Sandra Day O'Connor and should live to see two more women join. 
Justice Sonia Sotomayor and Justice Elena Kagan. She famously said later in her life that there will be enough women on the Supreme Court when there are nine. Yes, there are miles in front. But what a distance we have traveled from the day President Thomas Jefferson told his Secretary of State the appointment of women to public office is an innovation for which the public is not prepared. Nor, Jefferson added, am I. Ginsburg built her law career advocating for equal protection under the law for both men and women. She told the Senate committee how she coined the legal term gender discrimination. In the 70s, when I was at Columbia and writing briefs about distinctions based on sex and writing articles and speeches, I had a secretary. And she said, I've been typing this word sex, sex, sex. And let me tell you, the audience that you're addressing, the men that you are addressing, and they were all men in the appellate courts in those days, The first association of that word is not what you're talking about. So I suggest that you use a grammar book term, uh, use the word gender. It will ward off distracting associations. (laughs) Ginsburg was confirmed to the Supreme Court by an overwhelming and bipartisan vote of 96 to 3. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. Have a great weekend. Duarte and I will be back with you again on Monday.